Hello again and welcome to the Three Inning Save Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Steven. I have a solo episode for you today, a little midweek episode. Had a chance to talk uh, this week with Ginny Searle at Baseball Perspective. She's an editor there and a great writer. Um, she wrote the uh, Dodgers season preview for 2024 over at Baseball Prospectus last week. So I uh, wanted to talk to her about that and uh, what to look for this season with the Dodgers. I hope you enjoy that conversation, and here it is. Okay, so I'm here with uh, Ginny Searle of Baseball Prospectus. Um, she wrote the um, uh, Dodgers season preview last week for the site, and it was pretty definitive. I highly encourage you to read that. I'll include it in the show notes. But, uh, Ginny, how are you doing today? I'm pretty good. How about yourself? Awesome. Um, so, <laughs> as we're recording this, um, you know, the Dodgers earlier Monday, they traded Manuel Margot to the Twins, and then they re-signed Kiki Hernandez, essentially swapping out, like, one of their you know, bench uh, yeah, position player spots. Mm-hmm. Does this mean you have to rewrite the entire season figure <laughs> for the Dodgers? Uh, God, I hope not. Um, <laughs> I think I, re- I think it was like two thousand words long, just because there's so many players you you have to you have to mention, especially with the Dodgers, because you know they're actually all good. Uh, so I I think I'm gonna leave it off there. But uh, yeah, it's it's an interesting move here. Like it makes. It makes sense, but because you know, I thought Min Min Walmarger was a good fit uh, for kind of a outfield backup, fourth outfielder, and then the platoon guy with uh, with Jason Hayward. But uh, I, I I hadn't realized that he's actually not that well suited to the platoon role, uh, the short mm-hmm. side. So I think that that makes sense. I'm not I'm not entirely certain whether Kike is. I don't know how great he is in terms of a platoon role, but I, I think he's a little bit of a better hitter generally than Margot. So it seems like a slight yeah. upgrade at least. He, Kike, like in his career has, has had, you know, pretty severe platoon splits, but also last year he was terrible with the Red Sox, but then right. he, he was just he terrible improved with it. Yeah. And then, but also I think, um, he had uh, what double hernia surgery after the season. It was I always at, at the end of a se- at the end of a season. It's always weird to find out what players were like hiding or you know or playing with like, um, and then you just figure out oh that explains why you know like David Peralta had elbow surgery that he was apparently bothered with since the All Star break and then you look back oh he had zero homers and like a fifty something WRC plus. <laughs> After the All-Star break, okay, that makes a lot more sense now. Yeah, um, you, you do kind of wonder, like, I mean, some of those guys are like, I don't know that you should be playing through this just in terms of performance. But also, yeah. you know, it just makes you feel bad because it's so easy to forget if a guy was on the field, whether he was hurt. Like, writing up a preview, I uh, was talking about Will Smith's, like, power output decreasing. And Craig mentioned to me, Craig Goldstein, the editor-in-chief of Baseball Perspectives, mentioned to me, like, it's he had a cracked rib, like. For, for a bunch of the season, so that could easily yeah. have played a role in that. Like, even weirder part about that with Will Smith, um, you know, so a lot of his decline came like in the second half, or like maybe until about September. Um, 
but he, I think he suffered the cracked rib in April and like it didn't come out until like August or something. So they're always playing through something. And he also missed time in April with, this was before the cracked rib, but he had concussion. Um, he didn't really deal with it the rest of the season, I don't think. But yeah, you're right. Like there's always something going on. Um, I enjoyed, you know, the, the, the preview you wrote is very comprehensive. But I also enjoyed the the sort of um, poster spirit in you. You you included uh, a, a classic tweet. Um, the the saying the Dodgers are basically the inverse of this. I'm just going to read the tweet because I have it in front of me. Mm-hmm. It's the mysterious old lady flips tarot card, revealing a dude who looks exactly like me flying a hot air balloon into power lines. Me is that good? Like that? That's an all timer. And I'm just wondering, um, are there other like either tweets or like classic like internet things like that that sort of occupy space inside your head that you're always you you can sort of point to or use as a jumping off point for writing um i'm trying to think about as a jumping off point for writing i i do always think about like the my i don't remember the specifics of the tweet but the the template that's like my shirt that says i do not commit any crimes or whatever it is is answering a lot of questions already or asking a lot of questions already answered by the shirt like i I think about that one pretty often yeah no that that's pretty solid um like i I think that's kind of like mlb's like oh well actually you could see through the uniforms last year and it's like okay i think that i think that raises more questions actually let's get into that (laughs) um when i I turned i turned 48 years ago and Mm -hmm. uh which means I'm very old now, but like, uh, as I wrote the season preview for the Dodgers that it happened to come out on my 40th birthday. So I was very much fighting back and, um, trying to harken back to my youth. And I think I quote quoted, I essentially framed the preview around like an old ice cube rap or song or something. Like I, it's such an old man thing to do. Like, I don't know. It just felt very weird, but that, that can be fun sometimes when you, you know, it gives you a different, um, different way to like um, get to what you, I guess, want to write about in, yeah. in total. I mean, I I really like just like jumping directly into something. I like to have at least some kind of you know something to lead into it, and it can be hard sometimes to come up with stuff for sure. I think that's one of the more difficult aspects for me of writing stuff. So, so you noticed you noted in in the article sort of like the Dodgers being the inverse of that tweet. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also really enjoyed, I'm going to quote you here from the piece. Um, the Dodgers front office has decided the best way to foolproof themselves for the playoffs is to sand off every rough edge that anything short of help from every member of the roster is not enough. Um, I, I, I think that very accurately describes like what they try to do. Right. And then like, I think what they did a pretty good job of like in the off season at least, but given all that, like, just looking at the roster and the article that you wrote and it has various projections in there and explanations within, are there any points in the roster that you might see as like, you know, somewhat vulnerable? It's all like a relative scale, I guess, but like, where do you see like the Dodgers weaker points? Yeah. I mean, I'll, I won't go with the bullpen because I feel like that's the easy answer for any team. Cause you know, yeah. who really knows, but uh, I mean, I, th- I think the Joe Kelly wild card is, is always yeah. something. Uh, but aside from that, I would just say, you know, the outfield is, I, I think I mentioned in the preview, it's, 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 you know, I think role players can sometimes seem like an 
an insult, like damning with Frank Fraser or whatever. But I think that you can't have just for a lot of reasons, you can't just have an actual team where every single guy is an all-star. And, but basically that's what the, the infield looks like. And that's what the first half of the rotation looks like. And, but not the outfield, right? The outfield is, uh, Alman, you know, he was great last year, but I think, I think, uh, DRC plus is relatively harsh on him. Uh, BP's offensive metric. Uh, and I think that Pakoda, our projection system expects him to regress relatively significantly, although, you know, not to the point where he's not in an average major leaguer, uh, and then, you know, Hayward, the Dodgers did a good job uh, helping kind of find the best the best way to utilize him last year. Uh, and then Teoscar Hernandez is he's a great. Uh, he, you know, he's I, I think this is uh, Patrick, another editor of baseball. Project. This is line. That he's he's like the most inconsistently consistent guy around, because even though <laughs> he's having streak after streak after streak where he's hot or cold, he just ends up with like a remarkably similar line each year. So, you know, it doesn't yeah. seem like it's the, the highest upside group. There's definitely a chance that Outman is the player he was again last year, and he's just, you know, another all-star at that point. But I don't think anyone's expecting Hayward to have some huge resurgence, or, you know, I think at this point people have given up on hoping that Hernandez has, like, another year offensively. So I'm not sure that there's a huge upper bound on how good things can get here, whereas the infield there's you know, two guys capable of an MVP easily, right? So I think that sure. if you're inclined to uh, to being worried, this would be the place to do it. But also, like I'm saying, you know, Hernandez is a very consistent player. Outman is young and performed like a star in his first real taste of big league, league action. And, you know, Hayward is, while he maybe got a lot of uh, flack for his performance during his prior contract, he it's not like he was ever unplayable during it right um yeah and even the the lower end for him is probably just being more of a pinch hitter than than the platoon guy so i feel like there's there's ways that it could go wrong but it mostly just feels like it's not a standout superlative category so it's by default they're their weakest yeah that, that makes sense. I know that when the Dodgers signed T. Oscar, and I, I did not go, have not gone to spring training, but just seeing some of the reports from there, um, like the Brandon Gomes, the general manager, and Hernandez brought up that he did not really adjust very well to like hitting in Seattle, like at T-Mobile, and you know the park's notoriously like tough on right-handers. And I, there, it seems like they're like banking on sort of a return to like form in some ways of that, but you never know. But like, but you're right um, with, with, with some of those people, but also um, like, it's weird. Like I I feel like, you know, I'm asking you what are like the weak points, but I'm, I'm trying not to gloss over like the Dodgers literally did like add Shohei Otani to their life, (laughs) which is like obviously the biggest thing. And it's hard to like, just sort of overlook that. I mean, that it, it really does, you know, you mentioned like, um, what you they're sanding over the rough edge, but you could also like smooth over a lot of things just by having Shohei Otani in your lineup and you don't have to worry about like, like every other problem becomes less important, I guess, in a way. So that, that's probably, that's probably a good, a good thing to have. I would right. Imagine. Yeah. They had a, a 110 DRC plus last year as a collective lineup. And I, 
you know, I, I'm not, I think Atlanta might have been a little bit better, but it's definitely second in the league, if not first. Uh, yeah. And I mean, they didn't, they basically lost no one and added the, the best hitter in arguably the best hitter in the game right now. It's just, it's crazy. Yeah, I was surprised too. I think Otani's uh, projected warp is is like isn't isn't it higher than Freeman and Betts and yeah. like which is remarkable because he's DH. Like, yeah, it's five point nine. So he's like a a win and yeah. a half above both of them. Which yeah, it's it's wild. Yeah, he really yeah. he really is a unique player. Um, yeah, and as I pointed out, like you know, he I think his weakest offensive season in MLB was in 2019 when he was uh, rehabbing from his well first Tommy John. I guess we still don't know definitively whether he had a second or not, but de- rehabbing from Tommy John in 2019 was his weakest offensive season. But I think at the point that you're worrying about that is uh, it's. It's, I feel like it's a good thing, you know, good place to be worrying about. I think that that's like, if you have someone coming over and you're like, oh, well, I vacuumed and dusted and everything, but did I like, did I polish the floor? I think that you're maybe over worrying <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. I, I think to that applies that this overall nature applies, I think, to the pitching staff, especially the starters. You know, I think you could sort of make an argument the last like three off, three Octobers the Dodgers basically like ran out of starting pitcher starting pitching like last mm-hmm. year was com- comically so because they started a very clearly compromised Clayton Kershaw in game one and then you know Bobby Miller was was fine for them as a rookie but he's game two and didn't pitch well but then like Lance like Lance Lance Lynn was so bad with the White Sox yet when the Dodgers acquired him he made sense in a weird way <laughs> and like yeah and then was- I want to say he went, gave up 44 home runs last year, which is just yeah, wild. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, I think that it it was either for, was it 44 or 46. It, I lost track. Um, there was 44. A lot. But, wow. Yeah, but then four four in one inning. It's in his postseason start, uh, which did not last long, yeah. but longer than the other two. So no, so I like it's hard for me. Like they they have such turnover on the staff, right? Um, this just from this winter, they, they signed uh, Yamamoto to, you know, the largest deal ever for a pitcher. Um, they traded for Tyler Glass. Now they're getting Walker Bueller back, but like, he's going to be on an innings limit. It's probably not going to start until like May. Um, and then like, as a, like the sort of the rounding out the rotation for now, at least they signed James Paxton, but he has an injury concern. They were, there was a knee thing that, they were originally going to sign him for eleven million, and they knocked the guarantee down to seven million because of concerns about uh, the knee. Yeah, yeah, and so just weird stuff like that. But you know, like Glasnow, he pitched one hundred twenty innings last year, and that's the most he's ever pitched. Um, I don't. Obviously, they brought Kershaw back, but he's probably not going to pitch till like August or maybe July at the earliest. Yeah. Dustin May is two two elbow surgeries in, and, and another sort of like Otani, um, there was a little more, I think, definitiveness in his second surgery. They, they said it was, well, he had flexor tendon repair, but then the um, it, it was a revision to his first Tommy John as well. So he didn't have a second Tommy John. Like, Otani was very vague about yeah. his, they said They said it was unique or something. You know, it's, it wasn't a Tommy John, but it's not like, it's still a major elbow surgery and he's not going to pitch. But I don't know. It just, it, it seems like they have, so there's so many and also all the like the rookies you know 
I guess that rounds out everything. So, you know, Emmett Sheehan, Gavin Stone, Landon Nat, Kyle Hurt. I guess Michael Grove, if he's not pitching in the bullpen, um, and eventually River Ryan. But I don't know. I, I'm, I, I don't know if this is a question or not. I'm just sort of saying there's so many question marks, but I think they, they really are going with, like, a weird combination of quantity and quality in a way. But, like, just they're just trying to figure out, hope to have, like, you know, four – Four of them ready in October. I, guess. I, I don't know. I don't know how. I don't know how you build a staff. To be honest, these days, like given how pitchers yeah. are used, it's just it's it's just very it's a very weird, but it's like somewhat functional staff. Like I, it's not like I don't think it's bad. It's just it's just a very. It, I'm my brain is still used to like older methods of like roster building. I guess or mm. or you know like the the I saw. Um, I was looking at the. 2020 or yeah, 2024 baseball cards over the weekend on the back of the Dodgers team card. It has like the team leaders at different positions or whatever, pretty standard old baseball card thing. And it's, it just said, uh, ERA, no qualifier. And that's like, <laughs> Oh, that, that hurt my soul a little bit, but uh, I don't know if the Dodgers will have a, a qualifier this year, but I, I also don't know if they need to like, well, I, I just, what are your general thoughts about their pitching staff? That was like the longest question ever. Sorry. <laughs> No, no, you're fine. I mean, I think that it's not, uh, I think you mentioned when you were just sending me like the topics we were going to cover that you were, uh, a little bit more apprehensive than most about this, uh, about this Dodgers rotation, which I, I think is completely understandable given the way that the last season ended. Uh, I will, I will say that like the Dodgers currently have far and away our, our best projection, the rotation of any preview that we've done so far, uh, Looking through, I think that the closest uh, war uh, wins, uh, warp that we have for another rotation is like 9.6 for the Phillies. So, and I mean, it, yeah. it goes, we have our, our, our depth charts, which we have uh, the people who do our depth charts, I think, do, uh, do really good work in terms of getting a good sense of who's actually going to be uh, going to be likely to appear and thinking that stuff through. Uh we have, I think, six guys who are slated for 10% of the innings or more. Uh, Yamamoto, Bueller, Glasnow, uh, Miller, Clayton Kershaw, and Paxton. Uh, and, you know, I think that it's hard to feel like it's a settled thing when only two of those guys appeared at all for the Dodgers last year. You know, Bueller obviously has been around in the past, but it's still kind of shaky with him coming back from his own surgery. Uh and then, you know, it's Yamamoto's going to be great, but he's never pitched in the MLB, even though, you know, I mean, anyone who's seen this stuff, I think, is going to have few doubts about his ability to succeed. But it's still a big transition, so it could be could be worrisome. And then, right, as you mentioned with Glasnow, the health, you know, he's, I think not only was, he, like, he did, he pitched 120 innings last year. That was, like, his only time getting above 100 innings in his entire MLB career, I believe, Uh like I was looking up and I was like, oh, how has this guy never had any kind of awards voting? And it's yeah. it's because it's he's just never, never appeared enough. So, I mean, I think that it's understandable to be concerned about that. I, I, I'd imagine pretty much any Dodgers fan is going to have a little bit of uh, horror flashbacks to October for a while here. Um, 
So I think that it makes sense. But on the other hand, you know, this this rotation, I think that there's 12 guys named on uh, on our depth chart who might get innings as a starter and not a single one of them is like below replacement level, which is yeah. just wild, you know, that they can go 12 deep while still theoretically, ha- you know, and obviously the projections could be wrong, but 12 deep while theoretically having all guys who can positively contribute is just... It is kind of nuts. I, I think that there's another a question raised of like, or I guess a concern raised like, well, I mean, surely these guys can't all, like, if if somehow the rotation mainly stays healthy, some of these guys are not going to get innings in the rotation. And I don't know exactly where the option status on, you know, guys like Michael Grove or uh, Landon Knack, guys like that. I'm not exactly sure where those are, but you know, at some point, maybe some of those guys will no longer be stretched out enough to appear in the rotation. So I, I guess it can't it can't remain quite so yeah. deep forever throughout the whole season. But on the other hand, it seems like they've really done their best to, to foolproof themselves and have as many options as they can, you know? Um, they, you know, Glasnow is, I guess, technically he's more a a swap in than a just straight addition in terms of uh, not value, but, you know, innings output, because I believe I saw that Ryan Pepio is uh, also projected, is projected for the same percentage of the overall starting pitching in- innings as uh, glass now, 14%, which I think he probably would be in doing in Los Angeles as well, maybe, or maybe if potentially yeah. a little bit lower down in the rotation. So I guess in theory, the only like, additions that the Dodgers have made who they wouldn't have had access to last year barring injury were uh Yamamoto, Glasnow who's an add-in and then Paxton who if he can if he can break 100 innings that's a medical marvel probably. Um, <laughs> sure. So I, you, I think you, that it's oh. yeah it's no sorry I was just saying it's reasonably concerned but like there there's a lot of moving parts here but they're 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 good parts so I, I don't know. Yeah, and I will say, um, relative to maybe some other recent years, there the the depth chart here is actually functional. Like um, outside of um, you know, well, the essentially like Bobby Miller can technically be optioned, but I don't think he will. But like the rest of the the guys on the lower end, like Sheehan, Stone, Grove, Hurt, Ryan, or Ryan's not on the forty man yet. He probably will be. At some point, but and Knack, they can all be options. So like, okay, that's good. So they can it's, keep it's, them in AAA. Yeah, yeah. So I, I suspect like there's been a lot of clamor. Um, I also write at, at True Blue LA, and mm-hmm. in our comment section, you know, people are wondering why don't they do a six man rotation? Um, you know, to sort of figure this out and like spread the innings around that sort of a thing. There's because of off days, they're they're not they don't really feel like using a six man rotation at least unless you know, here and there, but I think right. having those guys with options, I think that's how they'll do it. They'll call up one person for a spot start or maybe two and mm-hmm. then shuffle them back and forth and then just sort of do it that way. Yeah. But yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's very functional. That's I remember, uh, or I'll say like a decade ago, mm-hmm. uh, it seemed crazy at the time. The Dodgers had, they went into spring with like eight under contract starters, like couldn't be option folks. And everyone's like, well, how are they going to manage this? And, and they did end up trading like Aaron Harang, um, like in the first week of the season, I think. But to, mm-hmm. just to give you an idea of where the 
the like talent level was organization wise <laughs> back then. But the funniest part, so that that year they they entered the the spring or entered the season with eight like actual starting pitchers, but then they used um, a ninth st- different starting pitcher. I think by game twenty six that year, <laughs> so like injuries <laughs> always just rear yeah. their head. It's always wild. So yeah, yeah, very very true as well. So maybe maybe they will need every every one of those dozen guys. Uh, but you know it. I don't know. Like it's, it seems like a good group. And I, I guess one thing about the six man rotation that I was thinking when you said that is, you know, that's Yamamoto has been doing that for his entire career. So that's pretty much how they, they work in the MVP. They get one start per week. Uh, but, you know, so I guess that that in theory could be an argument for going to the six man rotation, right? Like the angels, I think went to a six man rotation whenever Otani, uh, pretty much whenever he was in the rotation for them, uh, I think they had a six man rotation and, but I guess on the other hand, you know, if they're if they want to really push and see it as much as they can get Yamamoto, if they think that he's, you know, like a, a pitcher on the level of, of Garrett Cole, which is, I suppose, the comparison invited by his contract beating out Coles by one million, then they they probably want to see him pitching as, as frequently as possible rather than rather than every six days. And if that transition is going to happen at some point in his career, it's probably better for it to be now than at any future year. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, well, well, Jenny, I, I really enjoyed the, the season preview. I, I enjoyed your work. Thank at, you. I appreciate um, that a lot. At Baseball Perspectives. Yeah, I was just wondering um, if folks want to find you online, where, where can they find you? Uh, I am still on Twitter, technically, and, and I think also on Blue Sky, although I uh, am really terribly awful at using both. I, I need to be mm-hmm. better at it, but like, I suppose it's hard to blame oneself for not being online these days, but... Uh, you know, the self promo got to do better, but it's, it's at Ginny Searle on Twitter and uh, at Ginny Searle dot blue sky dot social. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks again for coming on. And uh, this has been the three inning save podcast talking about the Dodgers season preview with Ginny Searle baseball prospectus. We'll be back with our regular episode uh, later in the week. <laughs>